Welcome to the EchoCast. I am Bond, and this is a podcast about video game news, speculation, reviews, and whatever else I feel like talking about. This week, we'll be chatting about the Hogwarts legacy release and drama, Nintendo's impressive show, Xbox continuing to hit roadblocks, and much more. A few things before we get started. Subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform, and if you're on Spotify or iTunes, please review. On YouTube, please subscribe to the channel, like the video, and comment down below with your thoughts, questions, or to just say hello. A huge thank you to supporter-level patrons PK, The Dawn, Cage Nephilim, our newest member, Neuronix, and a special thanks to producer-level patron, Hassan. If you're interested in supporting this podcast and getting ad-free episodes for as little as $1 per month, please check out patreon.com slash Diesel. Gaming news. This week, we have nine stories. Story number one, Hogwarts Legacy release and reception. Hogwarts Legacy has released and it has a Metacritic score of 89 and an open critic score of 80. I checked out a bunch of the reviews of this and it is one of those weird games um, we'll talk about the drama and controversy in a moment but it, it, it is one of those weird games where you read all of the reviews or you watch the reviews or whatever and it's getting like eights and nines and like really good reviews but when you read the reviews they don't seem that good and we've had this happen a few times and it happens every now and then now maybe that comes down to my own bias maybe that comes down to um we do have a tendency that when we like something um you see it a lot with game reviews that uh you you focus on the things you didn't like and you maybe don't focus as much on the things that you did so sometimes it can come off like say you like a game so much you give it a nine out of ten you liked 85% of the features from the game, but that 15% is what stands out the most because you didn't like it, so you talk about it more. So maybe that's what's going on here. Um, there is also the subject of, there is some weird vibes around this game. Um, for all intents and purposes, it seems like it's a decent game. It seems like it's good. Um, but the, the drama around it is weird and you're seeing this impact the scoring in two different ways, um, but really the same way at the end of the day. Uh, th there's a hubbub right now. Um, I'm recording this on Friday. Um, one of the review, uh, one of the reviewers gave it a one out of 10, citing its issues with um, the, the whole story is based on some tropes that are pretty messed up. JK Rowling is kind of a piece of crap and this, does connect to her um, as well as some other issues. And so like one reviewer gave it a one out of 10 because they just think the game is irredeemable because of that. Now I've seen a lot of people kind of harping on that, like, oh, this is why they didn't send out review codes to everyone, which they didn't. Um, they knew that some people would give it a bad score um, without not on the merits of the game. 
But then like, if you say that, you also have to acknowledge that there's people who are going to give it a good score for the same reason, whether it's to push back on the people who are are going to do that, whether it's because maybe you like some of the tropes or maybe you agree with some of the stuff. Um, so it's like, it's it's been an interesting thing to, to kind of watch and pay attention to because, you know, some of the loudest people talking about this stuff have really been focusing on the um, kind of going, pushing back against the people who are critical of the game for its non-game th things, right? But you're not seeing much acknowledgement of, uh, yeah, it's terrible that that reviewer is giving this game a lower score because of things that have nothing to do with the game, but we're just gonna casually ignore that there are people rewarding the game for the same reasons, right? Um, and we'll talk more about that. From what I've seen, it seems like it's just a solid Harry Potter world game um, that a lot of people, and, and and I've seen a lot of people say, basically, this is the Harry Potter game I always wanted. Like when I was a kid and those terrible license games were coming out when I was a kid, some of them were okay. But like for the most part, you know, th this game, this Hogwarts legacy is what everyone wanted, right? And the kind of what it's broken down with to me is it seems like there's basically four different groups involved with this game. Um, let's say five. Uh, first is the group I'm really in, which I don't give a, I don't care. I, I'm, I'm not going to play this. Um, I don't care about it. I can't wait until I never hear about it again. I, th I always thought Harry Potter was super lame and boring and dorky. I think some of the later movies are okay. I appreciate the movies where they're older. A little more but i can't i just don't care i never cared about harry potter my grandma bought me the first book right when it came out i read like four pages of it and never touched it again i'm not like a high fantasy person so it never really grabbed me so i don't have those deep feels for it so you know for someone like me the extracurricular issues with it stand out a little more because i already don't care so that's group one Group two, and, and I think that represents a fairly small number of people. Group two and three, I think represent 95% of the players. It's either, or, or people, not players. It's either people who just want to play a good game. They like the universe, they, they like the game, and they just want to play it. They know it's a little problematic, uh, and that's, um, that's not great, but they kind of aren't super worried about that. They just want to play a good game. And that's a stance I can understand and appreciate. Um, you know, things have been so hyper-political one way or the other um, that not everyone wants to let that control every moment of their lives. I'm not saying that's the best way to handle it or whatever. I'm just saying I get that take. On the other hand, there's the people who, out of principle, are not going to play this, don't want to have anything to do with it, even if it is a good game, because they just think that it has some bad vibes, the money's going to a bad person, there are some weird things in the history of the series, um, and what the series is kind of based on, and they just don't want to mess with it. They're not really rocking the boat. They're just saying, eh, this might be a game I would have picked up years ago, but now I'm kind of good. I think that represents like the vast majority of people. And then you have the last two groups. You have, you know, the fourth group of people who are like really actively 
like going after people who are playing the game, especially streamers and content creators who are very actively pushing back or posting spoilers for the game, who are trying to do petitions and things like that. And I think the problem with that is that most of what they're doing it's it's not really reaching that that those two big groups groups two and three and it's kind of just egging on the fifth group which i'll talk about in a moment and so i i give this group that's been like a bit much credit because i think their heart's in the right place um i just don't think they're they're really accomplishing anything um but i still appreciate people trying to you know speak their truth even if it's not being received real well and maybe even if it's having some consequences that aren't ideal and so i don't really agree with with how those people are handling things as few of them as there are though they're very loud but i definitely prefer them over the fifth group and the fifth group are a group of people that seem to be like i don't even think they like this game or care about it i don't think um, the, uh, maybe they are fans or not of the series, but there's definitely a group and it's a lot of content creators who are very, very much like playing martyr and taking advantage of the whole situation of all the drama of all the attention that's happening, whether they're doing it for clicks or to bait out, you know, people who are upset or to bait out people who are really into some of the conversations that are going on. It's there's this kind of gross group of people and it's a really small number of people overall, but they're very loud and many of them have big voices. Um, and it's, it's journalists and it's streamers and it's content creators and it's some just normal people who are really trying to like push uh, a lot of this, like, you know, kind of owning the libs or like really trying to like ham it up and be like, oh, everyone's hating me for playing this game, but I'm going to keep doing it because I don't care about the blah, blah, blah. And like these people are the worst, in my opinion, because, you know, group four is being have obnoxious and annoying, but at least their heart is like kind of in the right place, um, seemingly. Um, but group five, their heart is in the bad place. They're, they're trying to stir up trouble. They're trying to get people upset. Um, they're trying to profit, many of them. Um, it, it, they're, they're, it can't be a coincidence that a few of these tweets I've seen pop up, like the one, one, one streamer posted her character and the, the name was like, I'm a bigot, like I'm a bigot. And then you click on her Twitter profile and she's a streamer and she just uh, has a pretty obvious and proud far right, like very conservative, like borderline, like extremist take on almost everything. If you look through her profile and it seems like that's kind of who populates group five. Right. And it's such a small number of people. And I don't think it should paint uh, a stain on the people who are just enjoying the game, who don't want to get into all of the stuff. I understand that. Um, it, it's been a weird week for me because I, I, I think that the majority of people will fall into that groups two and three who are just trying to enjoy it or who just don't want to be a part of it. And that's as far as it goes for them, but you can't help, but it's hard to ignore group five who I think is doing the most damage. Um, the game is probably going to be one of the best selling games of the year. 
This game very well may be in the game of the year conversation. With the games that are slated to come out this year, it probably shouldn't even be in the top five because again, I think it's 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 being like overrated and underrated for issues that have nothing to do with the game. So it probably falls somewhere in the middle, right? This is probably more of like a seven out of 10 game, but regardless, I just, it's just a weird, it's been like the vibes on Twitter have been weird this week beyond all the other crap that's going on. Um, it's just, it's interesting. And you, and you can tell people kind of feel like they're walking on eggshells, um, and, and that's kind of a bummer because that's the fault of like a pretty small number of people who are involved in this situation and especially addressing that group five that I'm talking about. Um, they, they, they don't represent that many people. And, and I really don't think they are really that into the game. Like, I really don't think they care that much about the game. You're just seeing a lot of people um, like Tom Henderson's one of them uh, and a few other journalists who like are always taking like the devil's advocate side of things and who are who like definitely play to a certain type of person with the way that they handle themselves and word things uh, and talk about stuff. And it's just it's interesting um and and they're and that's their right to do those things um it's just i think the biggest thing that i'll kind of end this on the thing that annoys me the most about this group five that i'm talking about is that these for the most part are the same type of people you would see complaining about other people virtue signaling and sensationalizing thing and being oversensitive and, and acting like martyrs and things like that so then it becomes kind of ironic or kind of annoying when you see them do the exact same thing on a thing that they just happen to care about themselves or that they see as an opportunity themselves. So at the end of the day, I think history will look back on this and see it as a time that brought up some interesting conversation and that from like the outside was interesting to watch. Um, I, I think this game will end up going down as like, yeah, that game kind of got more attention than it probably really needed, um, but good for it. You know, I, I hope that I hope that those developers had contracts that give them bonuses uh, for Meta's critic score and for sales, um, because those devs obviously it seems like they did a pretty good job making this game. Um, but I do hope that um, maybe some of the uh, outside issues that caused a lot of issues here um, can be resolved or handled differently one day in the future, but we'll see. Hey, story number two, Nintendo Direct does very well. So we had a Nintendo Direct this week. Um, the, the rumors around it were kind of like, this will probably be a good one. I'm not even that big of a Nintendo fan, um, even though I have been hankering for a Switch for a while. I just can't pay for hardware that old at this point. I really have to wait for their next hardware. But that might be years away at this point. Um, every time that everyone thinks they're about to announce a new console, they don't. And they keep running on this stuff that's probably like a third as fast as my phone. Um, but anyways, um, this direct came out and it had um, Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. It had Metroid Prime Remastered, which has been talked about for a long time. It had Pikmin 4. It had Advance Wars, finally. That had originally been planned to come out last year, but it got delayed because of the Ukraine war, because of some weird kind of similarities. Um, and then the return of Samba de Amigo. Um, and there were a few other things announced too, like DLC and expansion packs and stuff like that. But 
if you ask me, um, if you had the equivalent of that announcement for Xbox or PlayStation, I mean, you'd be talking about like getting like, uh, if it was like Xbox, it'd be like more Halo information, Gears of War, more Forza information, Hellblade 2. Like this was a big announcement for Nintendo. Um, and even as someone who doesn't have a Switch, and hasn't actually owned a, I don't think I've owned a Nintendo piece of hardware since my Game Boy Color. I don't even think I ever had an advance. I remember correctly so um it was still fun to watch and be a part of and listen to coverage on um it it definitely kind of i know for me kind of um you know sways me toward being more excited for to get a nintendo console eventually but like i said before i just can't stomach paying for a switch at this point that that hardware is just so dated but then it's also kind of impossible to really predict like man i don't know when a new piece of hardware is going to come out it could be two or three years away still um i would think it isn't but they keep making money uh and they are obviously not super worried about competing from a hardware uh strength or capability standpoint with xbox and playstation they they gave up that ghost many years ago i would say the gamecube was the last time they really tried to compete um and so we'll, we'll see but the show was really good um if you had a favorite thing in the show or if one of the things i talked about really stood out to you let me know in the comments of the youtube video or over on twitter um what you thought or you can jump into the uh discord for the podcast uh, number three story here, we have uh, Xbox's acquisition of Activision uh, Blizzard hits even more speed bumps. So the CSA, who is the, uh, I believe, the uh, agency in the United Kingdom or Britain um, that is reviewing this case, it's one of like five or six that are still in progress. And it kind of seems like the other ones are waiting to see what happens with this case before they do their thing. Um, for what it's worth, the Brazilian board has already approved the deal, which is kind of interesting. Uh, that Brazil is very friendly to, to Xbox for some reason. It's very interesting. Um, but the big thing that happened here was the CSA finally laid down terms for what they would want to see before they would approve this deal. And it was a lot what they were asking for so basically the csa is saying that uh as the, this deal needs to exclude blizzard entirely or um cut out call of duty in order to be approved so the, the thing is is that that's not going to happen um because if you cut out either one of those things the price being paid is already kind of inflated probably but would be especially wild and completely out of i mean that if either one of those conditions are met the deal is just going to get canceled uh, they, they they just won't go through with it um now there are some notes that were interesting and they did point out in the document that this was contained in that they haven't um this document wasn't taking into account any offers that have already been made so xbox offering to keep call of duty on playstation for 10 years at least was not taken into account here um, but i have seen a lot of discussion and analysis that the csa specifically um doesn't really care that much about behavioral remedies which i, I guess the 10-year deal would be a behavioral remedy not a like actual like 
concrete remedy. And so it seems like people really believe the CSA is going to want some meat, is going to want something cut out of this deal. Um, and that, that 10 year guarantee just may not be enough. Now, maybe Microsoft can offer, you know, the Sony Call of Duty at a negotiated price in perpetuity, maybe forever. Maybe they can try to pull something like that or say 30 years or 50 years. Um, the thing is that even the 10 year deal is interesting because we just don't know where gaming is going to be at in 10 years. The chances that gaming in 10 years will be similar to today are pretty good. But if they try to push out a deal to 20, 30, 40, 50 years, then you get into some, some really weird territory where games, it, it, you can't even predict where they're going to be in 50 years. Maybe it will be similar to what we have now, but it probably won't be. We also kind of can't even guess. So um, th this whole deal has been interesting. There was a story that popped up after uh, I even made this script talking about how Sony is actually um, throwing up some red flags right now and saying that they feel like um, some subpoenas by Microsoft uh, that, that would essentially require Sony to divulge all of their plans for the next couple of years. Uh, and this would be in the public record um, that, that Microsoft is bullying Sony. That's Sony's claim. Um, it's just interesting because Sony's been so involved in this process and trying to do what they can to make this deal not go through. And it's interesting that now that they may get dragged into it in a way that they don't want, they're kind of, you know, trying to push back because what Microsoft is trying to do is trying to show, well, here's Sony's plans for the next so many years. They're kind of trying to paint themselves as like, if we, if this deal happens, we're doomed where even if the deal happens, Sony will still be where they are. Nintendo will still be where they are. And Xbox isn't expected to increase its market share enough to even take the second or number one spot in the gaming world. And so Sony's really been doing a, a, a good job, depending on how you look at it, of trying to be like, look, like we're doomed if this deal goes through. And Microsoft has been trying to point out that like, not only are they not doomed, they're, they're probably still gonna dominate the market um, for a long time, even if this deal goes through. Um, you can't blame Sony for wanting to keep their position of, of authority and of influence because they're a business that needs to make money. Like it's obvious, but you also can't blame Microsoft for wanting to try to chip away at that and to have some more initiative and to have some more influence and leverage in the, in the greater um, industry. Because right now they, you know, with all their billions and trillions of dollars and all of their uh, tech and all the stuff, they're still struggling and still falling behind. Right. Um, so it, it's just, I know people are probably sick of this whole situation at this point. I get it. I, I don't blame people uh, for the, the most part, but it is important. Um, at the end of the day, this is the one that this is, I think, the biggest potential acquisition uh, of companies ever um, at $69 billion, um, at least in the electronics industry, in the gaming world, things like that. And so there is a precedent that's going to be set by whatever ends up happening here. I've seen a lot of doom and gloom, people thinking that the deal is doomed now. I don't think it is. I think it's definitely going to go through. I think there will probably be concessions. I think there may be another surprise or two left, but I, at this point, 
if it doesn't go through, Microsoft still owes Activision $2 billion. And here fairly soon, a, a new timeline starts where they would actually owe $3 billion to Activision if the deal falls through. Now, maybe that is worth the cost. Um, but it's better than dragging this out even further and having to pay more later. But I think Microsoft is pretty motivated to get this uh, to happen and that they may make drastic uh, but maybe not as drastic as CSA wants changes to make it happen. But we'll have to wait and see. I will obviously keep talking about it. Story number four, uh, Jedi Survivor had a nine minute gameplay uh, reveal on IGN. Uh, so this is the game being made by Respawn, that's who made the Titanfall games, Apex, and made the previous Jedi Fallen Order game, I believe. And this footage looks great. It looks really good. It just basically shows off a bunch of combat, a little bit of cinematic stuff, a little bit of the exploration. It was definitely trying to show you that it's a bigger world that you'll be exploring. Um, the, the combat and stuff looks pretty similar to what we played in the last game, um, but not in a bad way. It, it's... it's um, I struggled with the last game. I really liked it and I liked the characters and the, the graphics and all that were great. I was really bad at the combat. I am not a very good like parry system player where you have the like, timing and combos and stuff like that. It's why I'm a shooter fan, um, but I wanted to enjoy it and I did what I played, but I never finished it. Um, this one, they've already talked about things with like checkpoints and saves and stuff like that being different. Um, it seems like uh, they're gonna, I think they're gonna have even like fast travel and stuff. It seems like they are going to at least give options for it to be more casual, which I'm definitely interested in. Um, and I'm excited for this. I, I think it's a really cool story. There's a lot of potential for Cal Kestis, the main character, to show up in some of the actual Star Wars like live action movies and shows. And so I'm definitely curious to see that potentially happen. Um, I thought this was a great showing. I think people should only be more excited. This game did get delayed from March to April. Um, I don't think that's that big of a deal. Um, it actually comes out on April 28th now, I believe, um, which is a couple of days after my birthday. So maybe that will be my little gift to myself. Um, I mean, if you like the first game, it seems like this one's going to be good. Even, even if you didn't like it for particular reasons, like I kind of didn't, it seems like they're trying to do stuff to, to make that better and that it might be worth coming back to now. Okay, well, before story number five, please enjoy this ad. And if you don't want ads, you can join over at Patreon at patreon.com slash Diesel. Okay, well, there's your ad. Again, if you don't want to hear those, go over to Patreon, you can join up there. You can also probably go to YouTube and watch on that. Uh, and that platform, depending on what your ad deal is with them, you might uh, be able to watch it without ads there as well. On the story number five, I had previously uh, just mentioned Apex, uh, and we have a new Apex Legends season being detailed, um, as well as the fourth anniversary of the game. Um, that's crazy um, that they're talking about it being four years. I refuse to believe that, but it sounds about right i remember when they announced it it was a um it was a shadow drop game i remember that it being okay here's this br we're doing and it's available right now go download it go play it and i did and it's been my favorite br ever since um i, I have never really gotten into warzone i actually didn't really like PUBG that much i thought it kind of sucked um 
this this apex it's just it's the movement it's the pacing it's the gunplay especially it feels so good to play um apex is just it's the best it's the best in my opinion um you can fight me over it that's fine obviously it's subjective but it's just so good their updates are always so fun and they they really sh they really do a good job of um kind of straddling the line between goofy and serious and fun and stuff like that um it's just so good and i'm so glad the game has been so successful for multiple years now um and this next season is really interesting because they're adding a deathmatch mode but they're not adding a new legend and i think this is the first time they haven't added a legend with a new season in like a really long time maybe ever um i would have to look into it uh, but there is a new gun i believe there's a bunch of other mechanical changes to the game and things like that they always have a bunch of style they they always have a battle pass with a bunch of really cool unlocks and outfits and cosmetics and stuff like that um so i'll definitely be jumping back in next week when this drops i believe it's on the 14th of february um and yeah i'm, I'm definitely interested to play that to check it out i um i really like apex um and even though i actually wasn't that big of a fan of this apex single player game they were gonna do this titanfall legends um it is interesting uh to note that this deathmatch mode that's being introduced was supposed to be a way they were going to introduce the single player and try to connect the battle royale to uh the single player game it was going to be like all in one launcher um, but it seems like we've lost the single player game, but the deathmatch is still coming. And I think that this will be great to have like a deathmatch mode. Um, I believe they're also getting rid of the previous mode that they had released, the arenas. That was where um, it was like single death stuff with multiple rounds. So kind of like Rainbow Six Siege or Counter-Strike, things like that. Um, it was okay. I played it for a couple weeks, uh, but it never really caught me. I think deathmatch will be deathmatch will at least for me be a thing where i'll do a couple rounds of deathmatch and then jump into uh the br um so it can at least be like a good warm-up and so i'm excited about that um if you plan on playing that let me know uh I don't know, who's your favorite legend tell me who your favorite legend is uh story number six the division two season 11 has been delayed again um they put out a uh, a letter to the community yesterday on twitter talking about how uh they're basically the system they used to make the final builds of the game had broken due to some um some other issues and they needed to fix that i will say that as of today this is friday they did release a patch this morning which should indicate that their build system has been fixed um but they still need to fix the issue that initially caused the delay um in in season 11 coming out i suspect this will happen by the end of the month for sure um, but they are going to do kind of a like an update stream before that and they haven't announced that yet my guess is next week they will tell us that that stream is coming the following week and that season 11 will drop shortly after that um i can't really pretend i'm super super excited for this at this point i'm not really aware that this season's gonna bring a bunch of new stuff other than kind of the typical things they do uh, new weapons new gear sets new whatever um it will wrap up the story of year four but i'll be honest the last season i thought ended really flat and i wasn't uh the story didn't really like pique my interest that much um i'm obviously curious to how they're going to wrap it up here 
Um, but I'm really, really curious about year five because uh, when I did my interview with Yannick, who's the head of the team making the division two right now, making this content, um, even then he made it kind of obvious that there's a lot of tech debt in, in the division two. The division two wasn't meant to still be going. And so when they were finishing the game, when they were making the game, you know, you run into an issue and you can fix the issue thoroughly, but it's going to take a week of development time, or you can patch it up. It will, you can get it done today and you'll just come back later to fix it, but you never actually will because that's not, that's how these things work. And if the game was only going to go for two years, like was originally planned, that would be fine. The, the long-term fix actually would have been a waste of your time. This patch will do because you're not going to add that much stuff. It's going to hold up with the content that's planned and you'll be fine. So then what has happened with the division too, is that they went beyond those two years of content and now they're, they went to a year four year three actually didn't have any content, uh, but this year four added a lot of stuff and all of these systems are breaking down because that patch can't hold up anymore. So now that big week long fix that they needed to do four or five years ago, but it was only going to take a week because they had a full complement. They had a full giant development team on it. Well, now it could take months. And in theory, this is all hypothetical. It, and even the patch fix would have taken multiple weeks with the current team, which is much smaller. It's a small ongoing team, not a big giant uh, production team. And so what we're seeing is that things are breaking down in the game and, and they just aren't, it's just not working. Um, as they add more and more content, it's just not working. Um, and I'm really curious about year five, because even in year four, it felt like with every update they put out, there was some catastrophic issue, some catastrophic bug or something like that. And I just find it really hard to believe that they're just going to magically fix that with year five. Maybe they will. Maybe the things that they're fixing right now are going to make this better in the future. I'm pretty willing to bet they aren't. So I, I don't think it's impossible that they will cancel year five and just move on um, and, and reallocate resources and, and stuff like that. Um, I, I think a Division three comes one day, but not until after Star Wars releases, which that's probably still a year or two away. Um, and so, I, I mean, I'm not trying to really call for like no more division content. Like, I mean, it's cool if they make more, I guess, but I just, I don't know if the current content they're putting out these seasons and these, this yearly content is like, it really justifies the time being put into it, the resources being put into it. Um, I mean, if they're doing it, there must be a big enough audience to justify it. There must be enough people buying the battle pass and things like that, but I just, you know, if every month they spend on Division 2 puts out, you know, the Division 3 another month or six months or whatever, I would rather them just kind of let it go and move on because I think Division 2 is kind of worn out. It's welcome to a point. Um, there's obviously people who disagree with me and people who are much more active in the community still. But I just, you know, this is one of those things like, are you going to cater to the 5% or are you going to try to reach the 95%? And um, I just wonder how long they can cater to that smaller number of people and to keep things solvent.
apparently they are but it just at some point the work feels like it just isn't going to be efficient and with all the issues that keep cropping up that has to be coming sooner than later that's just my opinion story number seven the ps vr2 um hardware is in reviewers hands so if you are on twitter and you pay attention to that stuff you will probably have seen a bunch of content creators and journalists uh posted their brag tweets uh this week getting their uh, psvr2 hardware this is going to be an interesting one because it's already been announced that sony is cutting back production on these because um the pre-orders on them was like borderline like bad um and that can't be that surprising. Um, you know, PlayStation 5s are easier to get now, but they're still $500. And this PSVR 2 headset is $550. So if you want to get it, you have to pay over $1,000 at least. Then the games are a big issue. There's a there's a Horizon Zero Dawn VR game coming, which will probably be okay. But other than that, all of the other games that are coming out are just ports of existing games. Some of them have been out for a really long time. Um, it's not thought that the PSVR 2 is going to work with other VR stores. So you're going to be kind of relegated to whatever Sony can make licensing deals for or create themselves. And that may not be enough. Um, I think the way the reviews on this are going to play out is that people are going to say that it's got some really innovative tech, that it's solid hardware um, that Sony tends to make, but it just doesn't have the games to justify it over a competing system, even if the competing system uh, is more or less expensive. See, that's where you have to really, it's going to depend on who you are, how you calculate the cost. Um, does this you know, should you compare it to $1,000 VR headsets? Because you do need the PlayStation and the headset. Um, it's, you know, just the headset is only 550, but you can't do anything with just the headset. Um, and so if you compare it to other VR headsets that are $1,000-ish, is this really the better deal when it comes to the library and performance and things like that? So um, I think it'll be interesting. I think Sony fans will be into it because they lap up everything that Sony puts out justifiably. Um, I just suspect that this isn't gonna be a big, like pull people to Sony product. It's gonna be more of a satisfy current customers product. And when you're the best selling console, that's not a bad position to be in. It just may not be the big like market leader that they were probably originally hoping it could be. Story number eight, the day before devs. This is just the story that just keeps on giving. Um, they uh, responded to critics by basically saying that, you know, everything is real. Don't listen to haters and blah, blah, blah. Um, I the reason I include the story is that if you go to their Twitter and you look up this tweet they put out where they were like calling people out for calling them out. Uh, one of the most liked replies to this tweet is a compilation video that someone made showing that almost every single second of every trailer they've done, had, they've lifted from another trailer from another game, whether it was The Last of Us, The Division, um, a bunch of different games that um, it, I would say a majority of their cinematics and the way that they've advertised this game have, have been imagery straight up just stolen from other games, but with their assets. Um, maybe that means nothing, but man, that's a very, very solid tactic of people who are being highly shady with how they're handling things. 
And so this is just kind of the gift that keeps on giving. I've been saying for a long time, I think this game will come out. I think it is a game, but I think it's going to come out and it's going to look a lot more like a bunch of the crappy, you know, random Steam early access zombie survival games than this like really cool thing that they initially showed. And I think that has been kind of assumed for a while. Um, I was really surprised when I saw people like really buy into this game, especially early. It was a lot of the division creators, uh, which, you know, I'll leave my personal commentary out of. Um, but I just, I don't know, man, it's kind of the gift that keeps on giving, but I would kind of rather just, you know, pull the arrow out, you know, just let it bleed and just get this thing over with so we can finally see that this was basically nothing. Maybe I'm wrong. And then finally, the number nine story is just talking about some Mass Effect. Um, I did put out a new video this week. Um, uh, when Mass Effect 3 came out, Jeff Keighley did a, it's like an app or it's like a multimedia presentation um, called The Final Hours. Um, and it's really cool. And so I kind of breeze through it. There's parts of it that I want to go back to and do a video about specifically, there's a handwritten document talking about the Shepard Survives ending. And um, I'm, I'm really curious to check that out. And I will, um, I, I'll get back to that eventually. The, the next video I'm going to make is going to be talking about um, the argument for bringing back the Paragon and Renegade system. If you've um, been on any of my streams, you've probably heard me talk about my idea for that. So I want to put that into video form and put it out there and see what other people think. So be on the lookout for that probably next Wednesday. Uh, and, and that's, that's kind of what I have for all the news um, for listener questions. I recorded this really early this week, um, so we didn't get any in quite yet. But if you have questions or stories or topics you want me to cover, um, you can ask me on Twitter at Bondiesel or at the EchoCast. You can ask in the Discord. The link should be in the description. Or you can ask in the comments of the YouTube video. And that's what we have this week. So thank you so much for listening. Uh, I am happy to get any feedback that you have on the show. Um, you can leave it in all of the places I just talked about. Um, you can find me all over the internet as Von Diesel on Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, or over on Twitch. And uh, that's all I have. So until next time. I'm gonna go